song is pretty hype. I'm going to need your help with this this morning. I need your help on this. So when you hear, when you hear us say, yeah, I need you to say, yeah. When you say, oh, you got to say, oh, back. All right, help me out. I was walking the west side, lost on a lonely road. I was chasing the highlight. Trying to satisfy my soul All the lies I believed in Left me crying like the rain Then I saw lightning from heaven And I've never been the same I'm gonna climb a mountain I'm gonna shout about it found a world of freedom. I found a friend of Jesus. I am a child of love. Woo! I felt the sting of the fire, but I saw you in the flames. When I thought it was over, you broke me out of the grave. Hallelujah, I'm gonna climb a mountain, I'm gonna shout about it. I am a child of love. I found a world of freedom, I found a friend of Jesus. I am a child of
true this morning. We are children of love. Welcome to Southwoods Christian Church. We're so glad you're here, whether you're here in person or checking us out on the live stream. We have lots of announcements, so I'm going to try to hit them really quick and make sure I get them all. First, trunk or treat, end of the month. I think it's October 26th that we have it on. Uh, just a great way to uh, bring the kids. We're going to have trunks outside set up, super cool booths and uh, have candy and just a great opportunity to invite as well and be a presence in the community. Uh, also, we have lots of student events going on. So if you have uh, students in the middle school, high school level, and I think you know, even in the elementary, all the students, they're doing lots of stuff. So make sure you check out those calendars, see what they have coming up, really fun stuff. And lastly, for you know, the whole church, uh, and especially us older adults, um, this, is, this is for us. You know, students have their thing. We have ours to further um, you know, our understanding of God and um, continue to love him more. And that is thy kingdom come. That's going to be later this in October 10th and 13th. And Brent Avery is going to come and speak for a couple days. It's going to be really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. I just highly encourage you to make that investment in your spiritual walk because it's for eternity. So, you know, let's continue to hold on to that promise that we are children of love as we worship him this morning. Praise be weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. Sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. Sing with all we are and claim your victory. Break down every wall, we'll watch the giants fall. For fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side, forever lift him high. With all creation cry, God, we praise you. Song that calms the storm inside of me. 
trusting him with our resources and being good stewards with what he's given us. So check out the ways that we can do that and give here at Southwoods, three different ways. See it on the, sl- on the screen. But I just encourage you to worship him in that way because um, it's a very tangible way that we, that we can honor our God and trust in him. And let's just take a moment and turn and say hi to someone this morning.
encourage you guys this whole, this whole morning is focused on love and um, just a little plug for our small groups like we've been talking about um, just unconditional positive regard and grace for people and I think that it's easy to forget sometimes like how much God loves us 
Like I think sometimes when things are really hard or um, I know I take for granted like that grace um, that giving me something that I don't deserve. Like we were talking about how justice is what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve and grace is getting like you didn't deserve it but you get something good. And God gives us that. So if you need to be in a small group, you learn a lot and it's really helpful. But we're going to sing this song together and then we're going to take communion and just remember that love that he's given us through Jesus Christ, that he sees you with unconditional positive regard when, when Jesus' blood covers us, that he loves us that much. So let's just sing this song together and then we'll take communion, okay?
good. Thank you for your power and your victory and your freedom in Jesus. God, let us never forget how much you love us, that you sent your only son to die in our place so that we could have that freedom and victory and power that only comes through you. God, thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat and take communion.
morning, Southwoods. It's good to see you this morning. Those of you who are on site, it's great to see those of you who are online. Yeah, thrilled that you're with us today. Heard about a businessman in Texas uh, a few years ago who was packing for an important business trip. He realized at the last minute that he needed some emergency dry cleaning done. Maybe that's happened to some of you before, but as he discussed his options with his wife, he suddenly remembered seeing a dry cleaner on the other side of town with a huge sign, and the huge sign said, one hour dry cleaners. So with a little time to spare, very little time to spare, he jumped in his car, he drove across town to drop off his suit. And as he was filling out the little tag that you put with your suit when you drop it off, he explained to the clerk his situation, and he said to her, I'm gonna need this in an hour. Well, she said, I'm sorry, but we won't be able to get it to you until Thursday. I thought you did dry cleaning in an hour, he, he asked. No, she replied, uh, that's just the name of the business. <laughs> that kind of thing drives most of us nuts, right? I mean, it just, are you like me? It just sort of drives you nuts. Believe it or not, there are times when Christians are guilty of doing something very similar, different and similar at the same time. There are those Christians who wear the name Christian, but then they routinely fail to act in loving ways like the one whose name they bear, Christian, Christ. Many are not even apologetic about it anymore. It's as though they don't even know that by wearing the name Christian, I'm supposed to live and behave and love like Jesus. It's sort of a false advertising type of thing. It's created a good deal of confusion and disillusionment in our world, particularly among those who have not yet chosen to believe in Jesus. And I want you to listen carefully to the words of Jesus on the importance of loving others. We're in this series, Back to the Basics, and I want you to listen. This is one of the most basic things about Christianity that we're talking about this morning, the importance of love. And I want you to listen to what Jesus tells us about this in John 3. We're going to start at verse 34 where he says this to his disciples then and his disciples now. He says, I am giving you a new commandment. So let's pause. A new commandment. This is number 11. Okay? You got one, one through 10 we're familiar with. He's sort of saying, I'm giving you a new commandment, 11th commandment. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Now look at that last sentence. What is it that proves to the world that you're my disciples? Love for one another. Love for one another proves to the world that you're my disciples. It's what sets us apart, what distinguishes us from all other people on the planet. 1 John 2, verses 6 to 11, expounds on what Jesus says. And we're going to look a little more extensively at these verses. 1 John chapter 2 Verses 6 to 11 says this, Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. It's interesting, isn't it? It's, it's, it Jesus says, I'm teaching a new commandment. And John the Apostle, who's expounding on Jesus' words, says, yeah, it's not really a new commandment. Is kind of what he's, he's quibbling over that. I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it's an old one you've had from the very beginning. Jesus is speaking of as a new commandment because it was new to the way people were living. They hadn't been living that way. And John's saying, no, some are living this way, but it, it's, 
It's really an old one. He continues, he says, this old commandment to love one another is the same message you've heard before, yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. He continues, he says, if anyone claims I'm living in the light but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves another brother or sister is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates another brother or sister is still living and walking in darkness, the text says. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. For the next few minutes, as we continue this back to the basic series, we're going to reflect a little bit on these verses and what they tell us about how Christians are to relate to other people who are around us. And in a sentence, if you were just distill it all down to a sentence, it's this, we're to be loving just as Jesus was. We're to be loving just as Jesus was, and I might add, still is, loving. And according to the verses we just read, Scripture wants us to see that loving others is really not a new teaching. This is not a new teaching. If you're looking at that 1 John chapter 2 passage, that's the first insight in the passage. Long ago, God told his people to love others. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, maybe it's worth writing down if you're unfamiliar with this part of your Bible. But Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, this was centuries and centuries before Christ. This was like at Sinai, you know, the foot of Sinai, God's delivering his expectations to Moses, and Leviticus is all part of that. And this is what the text says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but notice what it says, but love your neighbor as yourself. You ever heard that before? Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now look carefully at that instruction, at that verse. Based on what it says right there, when... When do you think it's the most difficult to love someone in God's mind? As he looks at us, he thinks, you know, the times when it's going to be tough for us to love somebody else. What do you think is the most difficult or among the most difficult times to love someone else? According to this passage, it's when we're tempted to seek revenge. It's when we're tempted to bear a grudge against someone who's hurt us. Especially, notice it says a fellow Israelite. It's speaking to the Jews of ancient time, but it's speaking to those of us, someone who's like one of us, somebody who ought to know better, somebody who we're maybe close to. It's when they've hurt us. That's when it's hardest, most difficult to love. Nevertheless, listen again to what God instructs us here. It says in Leviticus 19, do not seek revenge. Even if it's somebody you know, someone close, even if, they, even if they've been something justifiable that would be worthy in your mind of thinking, I, I can't forgive this. I can't love this person. I deserve to bear a grudge, to be bitter toward them. In spite of that, Leviticus 19.18 says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. We're to love those who've hurt us. Or as Jesus says the very same thing in a different way in his brilliance, 
In Matthew 5, 44, he says it this way. Love who? What's it say? Your enemies. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. We're to love others, even difficult people, those we might regard as enemies. Now, you know why God had to emphasize the importance of loving others like this, don't you? I mean, you understand why. It's because hating others comes a whole lot more naturally to us. I mean, that's, that's our natural inclination when somebody hurts us. It's the second insight that really shows up here in 1 John chapter 2. It's trying to convey to us that just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we'll suddenly be free of the temptation to hate others. Look at verse 9 of 1 John 2. If you saved that passage or if you didn't, just, just kind of note this. In verse 9 it says, If anyone claims I'm living in the light but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. It's as though God is trying to sharpen us and also sharpen our discernment skills. Same time. He wants us to know that we can't claim to be a Christian and then like hate people. And he wants us to have good discernment that if we see somebody who claims to be a Christian and they're like hateful and spiteful and all that, then uh, it ought to, ought to be a little bell go off in our head that there's incongruity here. Saying one thing, living another way. They don't really understand is what the text has said. They're still living in darkness is what verse 9 says. Verse 11 continues with the same thought. It says, anyone who hates another brother or sister is still living and, and walking in darkness. Such a person, the passage says, does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. You know, God's trying to help us understand that hatred blinds, it darkens the heart, the path of anyone who embraces it. You know, several years ago, I read a fictional story that illustrates this uh, so vividly. I, I've used it before. It's been a long time ago, but it's so worthy of uh, just using it again. I want you to listen carefully to this story it just conveys how darkened hatred can make our hearts. Listen carefully to this little story. Two shopkeepers were bitter rivals. Their stores were directly across the street from each other. And they would spend each day keeping track of each other's business. If one got a customer, he would look back out the door and smile at his rival. One night, an angel appeared to one of the shopkeepers in a dream and said, will you, I will give you anything you ask, but whatever you receive, your competitor will receive twice as much. Would you like to be rich? The angel said, you can be very rich, but your competitor will be twice as wealthy. Do you wish to live a long and healthy life? You can but his life will be longer and healthier. So what is your desire? The story goes, the man frowned, he thought for a moment, and then he said, here's my request, strike me blind in one eye. 
That's dark, isn't it? But friends, you and I both know that the human heart is capable of that kind of darkness. And hatred is what blinds us, no pun intended. It's what blinds us to becoming and being the kind of people that God would call us to be. Loving, like He's loving. Thankfully, Jesus taught and modeled a better way of life for all of us. Because if he hadn't have done that, pretty much what would have been passed down to us is is a whole lot of hatred, a whole lot of spite, a whole lot of bitterness. But Jesus shows us a different way to live. 1 John 2, 7 and 8, just cast vision for that. It just says... I am not writing a new commandment to you. Rather, it's an old one that you've had from the very beginning. The old commandment to love one another is the same message you've heard, yet it is also new. And here it is. It just says, Jesus lived the truth of this commandment. It's trying to convey to us that if we want to learn to live in the light, if we want to learn to love, we need to take our cues from Jesus because he's the one who's modeled it best, and let's be honest, the only one who's modeled it perfectly, the only one. So think of how Jesus loved and treated people that he came in contact with. Think of notorious sinners like Zacchaeus. I mean, Zacchaeus was a fellow Israelite, just like Leviticus talked about. He was a chief tax collector in Jericho at the time. He was extremely rich, primarily through overtaxation. That was how the Jews of ancient times, who were tax collectors, became rich, extorting money from their own countrymen. They were viewed as traitors for good reason, because they were. On this particular occasion, we look in Scripture, Zacchaeus climbs into a tree because he wants to see Jesus on this day. Jesus is a celebrity. He's coming through town. He's heard the miracles that he's done. He's thought to himself, this is an amazing individual. I want to see him. Luke 19, verse 5 tells us that when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus. He called him by name, which had to get his attention, had to get his attention. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy, the text says. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Do you see the bitterness? Do you see the hatefulness, the hatred they have in their heart toward this countryman who's turned on them, who's extorted money from them? They do not view him as their neighbor, their friend. And now they're turning on Jesus because Jesus sees him as somebody worthy of an effort to love. Verse 8 says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost, those who are lost. Jesus did not come to hate, to judge, to condemn those who sinned against God. He came to He came to love and rescue 
All who would have the humility to repent of their sins and turn toward him in his way of life. That's what he called. That's what he came for. He loved his enemies. In Luke 23, another instance in Jesus' life. Here he is hanging on the cross, being crucified between two thieves. He's being mocked by both. If you've read the entire gospel account, they're both mocking him initially. Soldiers are below his nail-pierced feet, gambling for his possessions, his clothes. What's Jesus pray? Oh, Father, may they all burn in hell. Is this what he prays? No. He prays, Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. You remember Jesus' instruction? Love your enemies. Do what? Those who persecute you? Pray for them. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. We could look at passage after pa- incident after incident in Jesus' life. And what we would see is that he routinely loved his enemies and he prayed for those who persecuted them persecuted him. And interestingly, 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, with all of that in mind, says to you and me, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Let's just read that verse aloud together. It's very, very short, very succinct. Just read it out loud with me. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. We're to live, to love like Jesus lived and loved. That's one of the basic foundational principles, teachings of Jesus and of Christianity. And so today, I want to ask you, will you choose to resist hatred? Instead, will you choose to live and love like Jesus. I'm not asking you to revise your vocabulary and redefine hatefulness as something else. You know, give it another synonym. Because that's common in Christian culture. You say, well, I don't hate anybody. You know, I despise this person. I I can't stand this person. I wish the ground would open up and swallow this person. I mean, this is... This is how some Christians think. Let it not be so among you, Jesus is saying in Scripture. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, he says. And I'm not telling you this because it's easy, you know. This is one of the ways that you know that the Bible was not written by men, just you and me, that God inspired it. If it was all easy, guess what? We'd have written it. We'd have written it easy. There'd be no loving your enemies if humans purely had written the scriptures. But because God wrote the scriptures, it's here because this is how he relates to humanity. And it's his dream that we relate to humanity the same way. Matthew 5, 44, Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And he goes on and says, in that way, 
you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. And if you only love those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that, Jesus says. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And his point is not to say that you know, somehow or another we get hung up on that word perfect, that you're going to be perfect and you somehow have this illusion. You're not going to be perfect. Your, your, your goal is to be perfect, to aim in that direction in your life, to being complete and holy and righteous and loving to the core of your being as God the Father is righteous and holy and loving to the core of his being. Then you'll be revealing yourself to be a child, a child of our Father in heaven. You know, the Bible tells us that in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. Matthew 24, verse 12, Jesus says this. In those very verses, I mean, it talks about how there are going to be border crises and food and supply shortages. There will be natural disasters. There will be pandemics. There will be wars and rumors of war. There will be deception, injustice, conspiracies to take over control of things. There will be pseudo-Christianity everywhere. It will be the norm. It will be, it will be everywhere. Can I just, we just acknowledge the fact that that is the trajectory of our world right now? Even in that environment, Jesus says, the love of many will grow cold. He doesn't say all. Why? Because there will always be a remnant of his people who walk in love and holiness and righteousness in whatever environment, bearing witness to their heavenly Father, loving their enemies, praying for those who persecute them, just as Jesus did. As followers of Jesus, friends, let's commit to living and loving counterculturally like Jesus lived and loved. It's who we're called to be. It's who we're called to become. And when you fall short, because newsflash, you and I both will, we're going to say something or respond in some way that's not loving. Let's at least have the humility to say, hey, I'm sorry. I said this and I shouldn't have. I behaved in this way. It's not becoming a follower of Christ. I'm, it's not who I want to be. I'm sorry. If you and I will, will learn to live this way, we'll be living as Jesus would have us to live and loving as Jesus would have us to love. I want to close with this quote. It's, uh, and then we're going to pray. It's uh, always intrigued me. It's actually by author Anne Lamott, and she's actually a, a pretty, she's a political progressive. She's really kind of extreme politically. But this was an interesting thought, and it's worthy of hearing what she has to say here. 
because this makes a lot of sense. Listen to, this is the quote, and then we'll pray. You can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. If you just look at your life right now and you just think, God hates all the, God hates everybody that I don't like. Maybe it's a good time to spend a little quiet time before God just seeking Him for more of His love, more of His Spirit, more of His presence in your life, okay? It's one of the basics of being a follower of God. Let's stand together. We're going to close in prayer. Let's recommit ourselves to the old commandment to love others as we do so. Let's bow our heads. We'll pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have taught us in Scripture a different way of relating. We acknowledge you've set the bar really high. Your expectation is it will become perfect just as you are perfect. And Lord, you know that we're very imperfect, particularly as it relates to this. Um, our tendency is to love ourselves more than we love others. And... Um, we just ask your forgiveness for that, wherein we've done that. We ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might more fully live like Jesus lived and love like Jesus loved. Father, in these days that we live in where there's a lot of confusion about what's going on in our world right now, would you help us as your people to not be among those who just lay love aside and as though it's unimportant or as though loving others is tied to us liking them and them treating us as we wish they would have treated us. Would you help us to remember, O oh Lord, to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute, that we might be children of the Most High. God, only you can help us to live this way. So help us, Lord. Just reach out to you, open our arms, our hearts to you. We need more of you, more of you in our hearts. And less of me, less of us. Now, Lord, as we leave this place, would you go with us? Would you help us to remember what we've talked about today and live it out with the power of the Holy Spirit a part of our lives and we'll give you credit for every good thing that happens as a result of that and we'll follow you all the days of our lives and we're so grateful that in eternity the day is coming not that far down the pike where all that is wrong will be made right and only those who love like Jesus will stand. So help us to that end. Go with us now as we leave. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Bless you all.